get this service tonight into the hands of our evangelist and have him to come and minister to us. I'm looking forward to the Word of God tonight. I don't know. I love the Word of God. I love the teaching and preaching of the Word of God. I can't get enough of God's Word, and I hope you're the same way tonight. So open your ears, open your hearts, and receive the seed of the Word. As Brother John comes tonight, uh, I want us just to reach our hand toward him, and let's pray for him for a special anointing of the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for this evangelist, for this good friend, for this man of God, and we pray for him tonight for a special anointing of the Holy Spirit to deliver the word that you've given him, that God, that you will give him freedom and liberty to preach tonight like never before. And may the word of God find a lodging place in every heart and every life. Open our hearts to receive the seed of the word, that it will transform and change our lives. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Bless you, my brother. God bless you. We love you. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise and a shout of triumph. Uh, sometimes you say something that don't need to be said. You know, there's sometimes you, 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 know, you have to say something to somebody that really shouldn't need to be said, and that can be a good thing. You know, I, 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 I've never told my mother... She's been in heaven now almost 20 years, and I never told her I loved her enough. And, and there are some things, sometimes you have to deal with someone in a harsh way and things you don't want to have to say. And there are some things you just shouldn't have to say and some things that you can't wait to say. But saints of God, aren't you glad tonight that you're in the presence of the Holy Ghost? that everything in your life has changed right now because where God is, all things are possible. And saints of God, we're, I, I'm saying this before the Lord. I'm not just saying that we're in the presence of the Lord because it's preacher talk. We're in the presence of the Lord. The Holy Ghost has filled this house. And when you get in the presence of the Holy Ghost, he was the same one that was hovering over the planet Earth. And Jesus spoke, said, let there be. And everything he spoke, the Holy Ghost created. That's the same Holy Ghost that in this house tonight and all it takes is one word from the master and you can be healed. One word from the master and your life can be transformed. Give the Lord one more shout and one more great praise before we go into the message. I, I don't know about you but I, I'm, I'm like your pastor. I am the least of God's servants but I'm a servant of the most high God and all I can do is be faithful to what God's called me to do and when he calls you to preach or teach the gospel, I believe with all my heart the number one thing is he's calling you to do is not develop your style of preaching, which is okay to do that because it has to be interesting because people will be bored witless otherwise. It's not to polish your skills. It's not to be the best pulpiteer. But when God calls you to preach the gospel, he is first of all calling you to be a servant to his children and a servant most of all to him. And you cannot do that unless you get into God's holy word and 
study it and make it a part of your life every day, several times a day. If you'll just make time for the Word of God two or three times in your busy schedule every day, even if it's just 10 minutes here and 15 minutes there, maybe 30 minutes there, your life will be transformed forever. I promise you that. But saints of God, your pastor got up here during the what we would call preliminaries. I called it worship. Everything that went on tonight, everything that was said and done was worship tonight. And your pastor got up here and you know, he, he, he was started talking, and I know where he was going because he felt, he felt like he had something he needed to do for the order of the service, but he got off on a scripture. And, and, and as he got off on the scripture, you know, I, I, I used to call her, I do call it, he got to chasing chickens a little bit. And, 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 and sometimes when I'm in a sermon, I got to be very careful because God may have revealed several things to you on that subject matter over the years and you can't preach the entire life of the Apostle Paul in one service so you got to be careful you don't get off chasing too many chickens and they may be all good friars but you can't be chasing every chicken in the, well pastor got off maybe, maybe he felt like he was chasing chickens but I'm going to tell you something what the man of God said tonight if you will apply that to your life, it will transform your life forever. Aren't you thankful that you've got a pastor that is full of the word of God, that emphasizes the word of God? That means you have a strong foundation. And the first lady is so gracious and kind, and, and it's sometimes hard to get her to say a lot, but everything, everything that comes out of her mouth is soaked with love and, and, and the Holy Spirit. But I want to thank all of you tonight for allowing me the privilege to be your servant this week because I can tell that you prayed for this revival. I can tell you've made investments in this revival before it started this morning, and I want to thank you, and I want to thank you for hosting the revival and the sacrifices you're making to do it. I want to thank all of our musicians, all of our singers. Would you give them a hand of appreciation for coming every night and pouring out? But tonight I have a really powerful message and every night is going to build on what God's subject matter was this morning, the purpose at least for the beginning of this revival. And I would to God it would break out and go several months. I was in one once that went 18 weeks and I wouldn't mind staying in Farmington for 18 weeks should the Lord desire it as such. But what I'm trying to say, I remember what Pastor's talking about, and that was a unique revival in Savannah, Georgia. 486 people got saved, so it was worth going to 18 weeks. Somebody shout hallelujah. But I, I've got to say this to you because this, this God is about to do something so incredible in this building tonight. As I was preparing, the Holy Spirit just was such a gentle spirit. Oh, I love it when I feel like shouting and I love it when I feel like dancing and I love it when you can just feel doodads and goosebumps all over you. But sometimes that sweet presence of the Holy Ghost, when God just puts his loving arms around you and you can just feel his love for you and you just know everything's going to be all right. You just know no matter what you're going through, God's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. You may not see the way out, but God is the author and the finisher of your faith. God is standing in eternity right now looking back at your future. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. And, and I got to tell you, after this morning's service and while I was preparing, I, I just got overwhelmed with a sense of hope 
I, 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 I'm just so full of hope tonight about everything. I'm so full of hope about the spiritual future of the body of Christ because those that hunger and thirst after me shall be filled. That's a no-brainer. I, I, I'm hopeful about the future of America. I'm hopeful about you and your family and God answering your prayers. I'm hopeful about the economy and the future of the economy of this country. I'm hopeful that God's about to move in a great revival from border to border, coast to coast, to turn this nation upside right by the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm hopeful tonight. I'm hopeful tonight that all your prayers are going to be answered. I'm hopeful tonight that people will be healed in this house. God confirmed his word with signs following. If he did it 2,000 years ago, he'll do it tonight. Someone shout hallelujah. But I came to church tonight, so if I, if I seem to get just a tad bit beside myself, I was just overwhelmed. I, 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 don't, I just wish everybody could experience it. And you probably have at one time or another. But I was overwhelmed with such a sense of hope. I mean, hope over everything. I mean, everything we're praying about, everything we're dealing with, everything that we're facing. And we, we look at some of the things in our country and what happens in our country is bound to have some effect on us, even though we're in this world, but we're not of this world. And I'm just overwhelmed with hope concerning all of this. And guys, I want to tell you tonight, God gave me a simple, simple message to share with you, but I know it's from God for you. I asked God to, his spirit, to speak to my spirit, to speak to your spirit. And God wanted me to tell you something right now. It's not hopeless. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through right now, take that thought and put it in the back of your mind and say it's not hopeless. Turn to somebody near you. Turn to at least three people and say it's not hopeless. It's not hopeless. It's not hopeless. There's hope. There's hope. It's not hopeless. It's not hopeless. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise right now. It's not hopeless. Now, it's going to be a little hoiky-joiky tonight because I, God gave me a message that required me to look up a lot of definitions. And pastor can tell you, and, and all, the, all I can tell when I preach in this church that you, you are a student of the word, and you know that the English just does not do the Hebrew or the Greek justice. You, you, you've got to really dig into the original language to get some of this stuff. And so God had me digging into some definitions and the more I dug, the happier I was, and the more blessed I got. And I just pray it will bless you as near as much as it, it blesses you, half as much as it blessed me digging it out. You're going to be very, very blessed tonight. Turn to somebody again and, and mean it. Say it with conviction. Say, it's not hopeless. 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 You know, did you ever go through a time in your life where things just seemed hopeless did you ever go through a time in your life where and and, and you know don't necessarily raise your hand to any of these things where maybe you felt like your marriage was hopeless or maybe you felt you were hopeless or maybe maybe you felt that your mental state or your emotional state was was hopeless have you ever went through a situation where a series of events took place in your life many of which were out of your control 
and it made so many things in your life just to seem to be hopeless, like there was no hope for a positive or good outcome. But let me tell you something from heaven tonight. There's hope. There's always hope in God. We serve a God of hope. Aren't you glad of that? And saying to God, I came to church tonight, and I'm so full of hope. You said, Brother John, how can you be so full of hope with all the stuff you just mentioned? Because there's so much more for us than there is against us. The reason why, yes, hallelujah, I'm full of hope because God is God, and he always will be God. There are circumstances and situations that are going on right now that the only one that can take care of them, there's no man walking the planet Earth, no woman walking the planet of Earth that can fix it. There's only one that can fix it, and that's Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad he is the author and the finisher of your faith? So I have hope in God. Because God can do anything. Nothing is too hard for God. I have hope in God because he does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is a God of miracles. He can take your hopeless situation and just one touch of his mighty hand, that problem will turn into a miracle. And I've been doing something on my prayer list lately. Every time I'm praying over a need, I write the word problem next to it, and then I put a dash and then I write the word miracle next to it because that problem is going to be your next miracle. That problem is going to be your next testimony. And I, I have hope tonight because of God, because of who God is and how much God loves me and how powerful God is. You, you can't describe how powerful God is. You can't describe how wise God is. You can't describe how mighty God is. No matter how hard you would try, he would still be stronger than that. He would still be mightier than that. He would still be better than that. Oh, don't, aren't you glad that you serve a living God tonight that's bigger than big, greater than great, bigger than all of your problems? I've got hope tonight because we have God's word I'm talking about when God's speaking in this book. This book is not a book that contains God's word. This is God's word. This is God speaking to us. And what God says in this marvelous book we call the Bible, God will perform it. God means what he says and says what he means. And everything he says, he will do in your life if you'll stand on his word. I've got hope tonight because we praised and worshiped. And you may felt goosebumps and doodads like I did, or maybe you didn't feel anything. But you know and I know that God inhabits the praises of his people. So we know that the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, is right here in Farmington, Missouri, in Abundant Life Church. Would someone give him a welcome, give him a hand clap of welcome and a praise? Welcome into this house. I have hope. Because the word of God is a roadmap for my feet. I have hope because the promises in the word of God are yea and amen. They always come to pass. I have hope because I've read the end of the book and I know what our future holds. Somebody shout hallelujah. I have hope tonight because I know that the word of God is true. I have hope tonight because I know Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And you know what? He is the way. He is the truth and he is the life. Aren't you glad that you know Jesus tonight? And if you know Jesus, 
you've got hope. Jesus was dead. Jesus was buried. But on the third day, he rose from the dead. And it don't get no more hopeless than being dead. Someone shout hallelujah. And so I've got hope because I have hope in God. I have hope in his word, his living word. I have hope in the fact that he promises to inhabit the praise of his people and the people of this church praise and worship him tonight. I have hope because God still hears and answers prayer. You may have prayed prayers last week that you can't even remember anymore. But God remembers those prayers. Not only does God remember those prayers, but they are so valuable to God that he tucked those prayers, put them into a vessel, in the bottles, and he places it around his throne. And those prayers, your prayers and my prayers, are a perfume of choice of heaven. Our prayers is what make heaven smell good. So you might not remember everything that you prayed, but God remembers everything you prayed. And God hears and answers prayer. I have hope because the Lord could come back before this night is over. And should the Lord, oh yes, hallelujah. And should the Lord come back before this night is over, wouldn't you be excited and thrilled that when the Lord came back, you as a church decided to start a revival to win as many people to God as you could before the rapture of the church? And little did you know that God was going to come back right at the beginning of that revival. The Lord could come back tonight. I have so many reasons to be hopeful. But tonight, my, my, my hope is based on some powerful scriptures found in the book of Romans. Now, a lot of people consider the book of Romans, most theologians, I'm not a theologian, I can't even spell the word, and you've got to be able to spell something to be something. But, but I'm not a theologian, but many theologians believe that the book of Romans was the most important. Now, I, I have difficulty with that because putting any word as this being more important than this one that's difficult for me because all the word is important. But many, many scholars believe that the book of Romans was the most important book that the apostle Paul wrote. They think it was by far his greater work. He deals with a lot of subject matter in the book of Romans. He deals with but primarily the message found in the book of Romans is that we are justified by faith. In Jesus Christ. You and I are innocent tonight because we have faith in Jesus Christ that he died on the cross for our sins, that he shed his blood. We're healed tonight that because by his stripes we were healed. So the book of Romans deals primarily with justification by faith. So it makes it one of his most powerful works because it's one of the most important things in a Christian's life. So when I read the book of Romans, I always find it fascinating. But here in Romans chapter 5, it kind of ties all the book of Romans together. And when Paul wrote this, it was one of his most powerful, powerful scriptures you will find anywhere in the word of God. In Romans chapter 5, beginning with verse number 1, Look what it says. Therefore, being justified by faith. Now, pastor has already hit one out of the park tonight. How many are thankful for the message he already brought you? Give him a hand of appreciation. What a message. But if we didn't go any further in this tonight and just stop right here in this first sentence, it would be life-changing for most people. If we really could lay hold Therefore, being justified, past tense, already are, you are 
already justified by faith that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. You accepted him into your life as your Lord and Savior. But that word justified in the original text means innocent. You're not just forgiven. You've not just been given a parole. You are now considered innocent in heaven. God don't remember a single thing that you ever did. Oh, come on, somebody. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. So therefore, being justified by faith, faith in the finished work of the cross, the word justified means in the original text, it means to be declared innocent. If God says you're innocent, who am I to argue with God? If God says I'm innocent, who am I to argue with the Lord? Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody needs this right now because the devil's been trying to bring you into a state of condemnation where you can't pray, where you can't worship because he reminds you of something that God forgave you for a long time ago and you wish you'd never done, but sadly you did it. You're ashamed you did it, but God done washed that away with the blood of his precious son. Someone shout hallelujah. It says, therefore, Anytime a sentence starts with therefore, it's important. Therefore, you being already justified by faith, by your faith in the finished work of the cross, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Leave that up for just a moment. That word justified means to be made innocent. It means to be just. This is the Greek meaning of the word. It means to be right. It means to be righteous. It's one thing when I refer to a person, I believe sister is a, so-and-so is a righteous woman. I believe pastor is a righteous man. But when God calls you righteous, it don't get no higher than God. If God says you're righteous, then you're righteous. You're righteous beyond all human knowledge of what righteousness really means because it's a holy work of God that cannot even be put into human words. It means to be made innocent by the finished work of the cross of Calvary. So if I would stop right there, you would already receive a powerful, powerful message. But it doesn't stop there. It's saying, therefore, being justified by faith, being made already innocent, and because it ends with an ED, it means you already are innocent. You're not going to become innocent. You are, oh, come on, somebody shout. If you know Jesus, your Lord and Savior, you're innocent. Therefore, being justified by your faith in the work of Jesus, not ourself, not self-righteousness, not justified by a church building or a denomination. I am justified by my faith in the finished work of did Jesus died for my sin, tucked my sins to the grave, and rose from the dead and sits this very night on the right hand of the Father and saints of God. He's coming back very, very soon. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ because of our relationship with Christ, that word peace means a sense of calm, a sense of well-being, even in the midst of a hostile environment. Aren't you glad you have that tonight? It also means to rejoice greatly because you have peace with God. It also, and saints, this is what's one of the things most powerful about it, it goes on from just peace like a state of mind and emotions, that's wonderful, and spiritual peace, but it also means prosperity 
Because you have peace with God, every promise in this book is for you. And every promise, there's a promise in this book to cover anything you need in your life. So you're more prosperous than you ever dreamed of because everything you need is already provided to you through Jesus Christ. It says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice verse number two. By whom also we have access by faith. It is because you know Jesus, your Lord and Savior, that you are allowed tonight to come boldly into the throne room of grace and find help in a time of trouble. How many of you felt the Lord during praise and worship? That's what this is talking about. You have access to God by lifting your hand and praising God because of what Jesus did for you on the cross of Calvary. You and I have access to God and not just once in a while, not just during office hours, we have access to God 24 hours a day, seven days a week, anytime we need it. We can come boldly, oh, come on somebody, shout hallelujah. We can come boldly to the throne room of grace and find help in the time of trouble. By whom also, through Jesus, we have access by faith in this grace wherewith we stand. We're standing tonight. You may have been through a battle. You may have been through a flood. You may have been through an attack of the devil. But guess what? You're still standing because God's grace and the, oh, somebody shout hallelujah. And you're still gonna be standing tomorrow by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That word glory means God's manifest presence. So we rejoice in the hope that as we're praising God, we will experience God's manifest presence. And when you experience God's manifest presence, it's like taking a gigantic magnifying glass and looking at the word of God and suddenly it becomes real to you. Suddenly it becomes alive to you. Somebody shout hallelujah. So the Bible talks here about hope by whom also we have access into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God or the manifest presence of God. That word hope in the original text and almost every time you see it in the New Testament needs to expect. God's saying if God's telling us that we ought to hope in him and teaching us that hope comes from him, from a relationship with him, then it is right for us to expect it and walk in and live in it. It means to expect. It means to have confidence in. It means to have hope. It means to trust. It means anticipation with great pleasure. It means expectation. It means confidence. It means faith and hope in Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad tonight that you've got hope? Aren't you glad tonight you have expectation? Aren't you glad tonight that you have faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus specializes in doing the impossible? He still does miracles. He still heals. He still saves. He still delivers. Somebody shout hallelujah. But that word hope, when you read it with the original text, it's a lot more than what we tend to think of the word hope, like just having a good outlook on life. This is guaranteed through your walk with Jesus Christ. It is manifested in you by the Holy Spirit. Now notice verse number three. We know that Paul went through many things, and I'm glad he threw this in here because some of y'all, including myself, have been through some things since you've been saved. Some of you have gone through trials 
that you know that there was nothing you did that opened the door to that trial. And we may not even understand until we get to heaven why we had to go through that trial. And probably when we get to heaven, we won't care. But in verse number three, it says, and not only so, and not only so, not only do you hope and I hope, but not only so do we hope, but we glory in tribulations also. Because the same God that's here when we're worshiping and we feel the Holy Ghost and the goosebumps and the chill bumps and we feel God's presence is the same one that's there when you're going through the tribulation. He's the same one that's there when you're rushed to the hospital. He's the same one that's there when you get the bad report from the doctor. He's the same one that's there when you're going through a battle. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise and a shout of triumph. See, I'm glad that the word of God ties all of life together. There are days, sister pastor, that I actually feel like a little kid with, without a care in the world. There are days the peace and joy of God is, is so wonderful that it's like tiptoeing through the tulips. But there's other days where the load seems so heavy, and I'm glad that Jesus speaks to us through Paul here about that that hope isn't just there when you're overwhelmed with joy. That hope isn't just there when you're speaking in tongues. That hope isn't just there when we get prayed for and you fall out in the spirit. And Thank God for all those things. But not only so, but we glory in tribulation also. How in the world can I glory in tribulation? I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking what I'm thinking. Well, seeing how I know a lot of times the English words don't do the Greek justice. Tribulation here can't mean what tribulation means in English because how can I glory in tribulations? And it says here, saints of God, the actual Greek word for tribulation means immense pressure. Anybody here ever been under immense pressure? Aren't you glad that God's addressing you where you live? Aren't you glad if you're going through a tough time right now, there's not something wrong with you? You're not a bad Christian. You haven't failed God. We can still glory. We can still have hope. In fact, we can hope even all the more in tribulation. I feel hope when I'm going through battles, I'll experience God's hope and that sense of hope even more in the toughest time and I guess I do because that's what I need it the most. But notice the word tribulation means immense pressure. It means to be afflicted. It means to anguish. And the, I don't know any word you can use concerning one's emotions that is more cutting than the word anguish. It, 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 it means to be burdened. It, 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 means to, it means tribulation. It means trouble. It means suffer. In other words, we still have hope in God's glory. We still have hope in the finished work of the cross, even all the more when we're going through tribulation. You know why? Because we know that the battle's not mine, but the battle is the Lord's, and he's never lost a battle yet. Someone shout hallelujah. I know it's hoiky-joiky, but it's a fresh word from the Lord. Not only so, but we glory in tribulation also. How in the world can I glory in tribulation? I know God's going to take care of it, and when it's taken care of, I'm sure enough going to glory 
and praise him and thank him for it. But how can I glory in the midst of it? Because God is doing more than healing my body. God is doing more than repairing a relationship or taking care of this need or taking care of that or sending revival to places I, I'm lucky, I'm fortunate enough and blessed enough to get to go to. But listen to what he said. Not only so, but we glory in tribulation also. No, we don't glory for because something bad or we're going through tribulation. And please don't make the mistake of leaving church tonight and say, well, tribulation's good for me. So I'm going to pray for some tribulation. No, no, don't do that. You don't have to, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't. You don't have to pray for tribulations. Life will take care of that. The, 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 there's a, life will take care of the tribulation. You don't have to pray for tribulations. They come with living. But not only so, but we glory in, you know why? Because when I was a baby Christian, saints, I heard a preacher preach something about how going through stuff is good for you spiritually from time to time. And then you shouldn't go through stuff all the time, but it's good for you and how you grow. And so I went home and started praying for problems and so I could grow. And guess what? They came one right after the other. So I, I know that your heart is sincere, but life itself, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. This is an unredeemed world. Aren't you glad you're redeemed in this place? Someone say hallelujah. But it says we we but not only also but not only, only so that not only so, but we glory in tribulation also. We don't just glory in the thought of who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us. We don't just glory in God's manifest presence, but we glory in tribulation also knowing that tribulation worketh patience. There's a supernatural kind of patience. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you may not know what I'm talking about. But if you've ever been at death's door and God spared your life, you know what I'm talking about. If you ever had a phone call in the middle of the night and your child's been in a bad car wreck, you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever had your heart broke or crushed, you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever been through severe spiritual warfare, you know what I'm talking about. Can you put verse three back up there? I'm sorry. And tribulation worketh patience. That word patience in the original text means trustworthiness. I have patience in God with what I'm going through right now because God has proven to me that he's trustworthy. Aren't you glad that he's trustworthy and that God's going to get you through this and God's, oh, somebody shout hallelujah. The word means trustworthy. The word patient means trustworthiness. It means proof positive. It means living proof in your life that he's trustworthy. So that word patience has a much deeper meaning than that to service. So we, we, not, we don't want glory... And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also knowing that tribulation is what reveals to us patience. What reveals to us that God is trustworthy, that God's going to make a way for you where there seemeth to be no way. That if you're in a dark place right now, God's going to bring you out of that dark place. If you've been battling depression, God's going to bring you out of that depression. Somebody shout hallelujah. Someone shout hallelujah. 
And saints of God, I don't know if you've noticed this lately, but as I watched the news, I, I, there were several doctors that were talking about the pandemic a little bit, and they were talking about the psychological effect it's having on people, how it's probably worse than the actual disease itself, and I can speak for that. But I want to share with you what they said. They said that, that, that when it comes to the news, that people have become so addicted that they're just watching hour after hour after hour after hour after hour of everything, and it's just repeating the same stuff from a different, different talking head, but the same stuff over and over again. And they said if you listen to that stuff too much, then it will begin to depress you. It will begin to make you physically sick. And they cautioned, these were three different professors from three, in three different schools of psychology, and they cautioned, they said, the average person should not watch more than 30 minutes of news a day, find out what's going on in the world, and then go on with your day. Don't be glued to watching it over and over again. Because it's, and then he started talking how it's creating a state of depression and anxiety and stress in people like they have never seen before. And saints of God, you know what I'm talking about. You can see it on people's face. You walk up and down the street, you can see it at, with people at work. They, 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 they got fear in their eyes. They, 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 can't, they can't even look at you because they know you're a Christian. And, and, you, and you see other ones that are just, there's such a sad and forlorn look about them. And their whole countenance is just consumed with sorrow and sadness and fear. And these doctors are saying, these weren't Christians either. They were saying, you, you just don't listen to more than 30 minutes of it because if you listen to it over and over again, you'll get so depressed and it'll, it'll mess you up. And, and we live in a society, saints, and even many Christians. I'll guarantee you there's a lot of Christians out there. I won't try to put a percentage on it that listen more to the news than they read the Word of God. They listen more to the news than they listen to preaching of the Word of God. And I'm seeing it where people are to the state of wanting to take their own lives and depression is so heavy upon them. And so it's important that we understand that tribulation worketh patience, but we don't dwell and look at these things over and over again. And I'm preaching this in part because in many places people have watched this so intentively that it's Get their hearts and it's gripped their mind and there are a lot of good people that are bound by fear they're bound up by depression and God wants to set every one of them free tonight somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise you can watch too much of it the word I says I said earlier the word patience means trustworthiness proof of God's trustworthiness in your life somebody shout hallelujah now we have hope tonight even in all the COVID, in the middle of the pandemic, in the civil unrest, you know what? I'm also preaching for the book of Romans. Do you know that Romans is one of the books that deals, one of the main books of the Bible that deals with racism? One of the main topics of the book of Romans is you Jewish Christians, you ain't no better than the Gentile Christian. And you, and you Gentile Christian, you ain't no better than a Jewish Christian. 
You think the Jewish Christian ain't as good as you because they helped crucify the master, but we're all the same at the foot of the cross. That There's no male, nor female, nor Jew, nor Greek, nor Gentile. There's no big, no small. At the foot of the cross, we're all the same. We're all equal. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. This is important. Because it worketh patience. This tribulation worketh patience. And the book of Romans deals with racism and it tells the Jews, you are, you're God's chosen people. But now this, these people have been engrafted into the body of Christ now. And they're, they're a child of God as much as you are. And he dealt with the Gentiles. That the Jews are as much Christians as the Gentiles were. So the book of Romans deals with racism. And let me give you a real good example of it. The book of Romans, you've got a church there, a great thriving church. You know what it's comprised of? Romans and Jews. Jews were the slaves to the Romans, basically. They had homes and stuff, but they were under Roman occupation. So I submit to you that if the Romans and the Jews could get along in church in the book of Romans, then we ought to all be able to get along today in our society today. And you know why they did it? They lived this word. They walked this word. They loved one another, each other as they loved themselves. They treated each other with love. They, they, they were kind to one another. They were gracious to one another. And they treated each other the way the word of God says that we ought to treat one another. And if we would do that, all these problems would just take care of themselves. Somebody shout hallelujah. But he deals with it. It deals with it. It deals with it. And, he, and Paul does it so skillfully through the Holy Ghost, you don't even realize he's dealing with racism until at the end he realized what he had been talking about and how, how we're all equal. We're all the same in the sight of God. And the book of Romans, if we'll do things the way the Bible says, we can, we can have, there wouldn't be any racism. There wouldn't be all these things we're dealing with today. Someone say Hallelujah. Now notice verse number four. And patience experience and experience hope. So we got hope in the beginning of knowledge of God. Now we got some hope that's come in our life through some things we've gone through. And if God can get me through that, he sure enough can get me through this. And notice what the word there, it says, and patience experience and experience hope. Notice verse five, please. And hope. See, we serve a God of hope. And we found out what that wonderful word means. And, 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 and it says, and, and hope maketh not ashamed. That word ashamed in the original text means to be disgraced. It means to do something that actually causes you to, to, to be disgraced publicly. It means exceedingly godly. How many of you would like to be considered exceedingly godly by God himself? It means to be exceedingly godly by any means necessary. So you're a work in progress. I'm a work in progress. And God is going to make us exceedingly godly by any means necessary. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. And it says by any means, which included the work of the cross, you know. It means to be exceedingly godly beyond measure. It means mighty. It means more mighty. It means excellent and exceedingly so. 
So God doesn't want you not only to have patience and experience and hope but he want, and peace, but he wants you to have it exceedingly so, more than you could ever need, more than you could ever want. Somebody say hallelujah. Now notice voice number six. I know it's hoiky-joiky, but bear with me. And for when we were yet without strength, how many remember before you got saved? And you knew you shouldn't take that first drink because you knew if you took that first drink, you wouldn't, you wouldn't stop drinking till you woke up in the drunk tank or you woke up passed out somewhere. Yet, for, for when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. And the reason why I can have hope in my relationship with God and this outstanding standing that God's word says that we have with him is that he died for me. Not when I was living godly. He died for John. He didn't die for John the preacher. He didn't die for John the evangelist. He didn't die for John the missionary. He died for John the ungodly drug addict in Chicago. He died for John the ungodly drug addict in Joliet State Penitentiary. Someone give the Lord a hand clap of praise and a shout. He died for John in Statefield Federal Penitentiary. For when we were yet without strength, even though we knew we needed to live for God, even though we knew we couldn't go on living the way we were living, even though we know that we were on a one-way street to total disaster, we would try on our own strength and we just couldn't get anywhere. We couldn't overcome our flesh. But thank God, Jesus came to the rescue. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, that exact right moment, Christ died for the ungodly. Pastor, I praise him tonight because he died for me when I was ungodly. I praise him tonight because everything I am in God, he made me that. If I've done anything godly, it's because God is living inside of me. It's Jesus on the inside. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Now notice verse number seven. This is why we have hope. If Jesus would die for you and I, when we had no desire to live for him, if he would die for us when we were living a life that the word of God would just describe as not just a sinner, that person's ungodly, then how much more can we anticipate these things in our lives now that we're saved and doing our best to live for the master by obeying his word and yielding to the Holy Ghost? And then Paul goes into this the importance and the price of salvation. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die. We all will agree for that. Most men in this room would die for one of their children. I know that every mother in this room would die for one of your children. But it says, but scarcely. There ain't many people that would do this. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die especially for a stranger, yet pre-aventure for a good man. Some would even dare to die. Some might die for a real righteous person. There may be a few people that would even die for a good person. But notice the next verse. 
verse number eight. But God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, God, Jesus, didn't die on the cross for the saved John. Jesus died on the cross so John could get saved. Somebody shout hallelujah. I, I, I know this is gospel 101, but sometimes it's good to go back and revisit our roots. But God commendeth his love towards us. There is no pastor, there is no greater expression of God's love in the Bible than Jesus on the cross of Calvary. There is no greater expression. If you want to see the greatest expression of God's love in the word of God, just look at Jesus on the cross. But God commended his love towards us. He gave it all. All the love he could possibly give in that while we were yet sinners, when I look across this room, even though I've only had the privilege of serving you in three revivals, I've grown to love you. And uh, I'm like that, 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 that dog that your mama says, don't, don't give it any food because if you ever give it any food, it'll never go away. It's too late, you fed me. And I ain't never going away. But, I, but, but I've grown very fond of you. And, and, if, and if you don't like me, please don't tell me because I don't handle rejection well. In fact, I don't handle rejection at all up here. <laughs> but God gave the maximum amount of his love. That's what that word commendeth his love means. He gave every ounce of his love. He commended his love towards us that while we were yet sinners, See, when I look at you, I see nothing but saints. I see godly people that I can't ever see taking a drink. Or I, I, I love it when people are, I'm often asked to share my testimony. I don't do it often anymore. I do it in schools, in prisons, some on mission trips. But I, and the reason why I don't share my testimony is yeah, I was in organized crime. And yes, I did spend six years incarcerated. And, and yes, I was a drug addict. All that is true. But the testimonies that have moved my life the most over the years when people would get up and testify that were in their 40s and 50s and 60s and say, I got saved so young, I can't even remember exactly how old I was. I just remember getting saved. And I never smoked a cigarette. And I never drank a drink. And I never went to the honky-tonks, and I never did those things. When I hear those people get up, and I see that purity and that pureness of that still in their lives because they never went down those roads, I say, that's the greatest testimony. If there's any young person listening to this, don't say that I've got to do something bad to have a great testimony like Brother Richardson did. No, the greatest testimony is that you never did those things in the first place because God saved you so young he kept you from doing it in the first place but God committed his love towards us that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us my worst time when I was a complete total junkie when I had nothing to offer God 
when I did sins that were so vile and so wicked that I can't even mention in this room because there's ladies present. And in that state, that was the man that the Son of God died for. That was the man that the Lamb of God died for. Somebody shout hallelujah. I know it's hoiky-joiky, but God commended that gave us a total amount of his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Before we served and before we were even, before we ever became saved, before we were ever born, Christ died for us. Christ died for you. And he probably didn't think about it consciously, but he could have known about every time you were going to get drunk. He could have known about every time you committed a sin, but yet he would have died for you anyhow. Aren't you grateful that God loves you that much? Notice verse number nine. I know it's hoiky-joiky, but please, much more than if you know that God, Jesus, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, the precious Lamb of God died for you, in your most wicked moment, in your most vilest act of sin, then you got to know that you're in good standing with the Lord tonight, that you have influence with God tonight. You matter to the Lord tonight. You're somebody special to the Lord tonight because if he died for you in your worst moment, how much more would he want to bless you now that you love him and you're living for him and, and doing your best to serve him? Much more than being now justified, made innocent, past tense again, being made justified by his blood. Someone raise your hand. If you did some terrible things in your past and you have to yourself sometimes, raise your hand. Say, I'm innocent. I'm innocent because I've been washed with the blood of the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. I've been cleansed by the blood. There ain't no, they don't make no bleach like the blood. <laughs> but much more than being now justified or innocent by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him, the wrath of the great tribulation, the wrath of an eternal hell. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise for rescuing you from hell. That's why we're having revival. Notice the next verse, please. Verse number 10, for if when we were enemies, our reconciliation didn't start the moment we got saved. Now, how God can know all this stuff in advance, that's way above my pay grade. But God can do these things. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, you weren't reconciled for the saved you. You were reconciled for the saintly you. You were reconciled to God when you were considered an enemy. For when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled. Past tense again. We shall be saved by his life. Now it's not talking about just forgiveness of sin. It's talking about living a saved life. 
that means I'm delivered. It means I'm healed. It means I get to enjoy prosperity. It means I'm blessed. It means that God hears and answers my prayers. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Now notice, notice verse number 11. I, I, I know the word reconciled in verse 10. We can go to verse 11. The word reconciled in verse 10 means to change. It, it, it means to multiply. It means to compound. It means to make a difference. It means to clean up. It means a clean state. It means to be reconciled and made right with God. Aren't you glad that you've been made right with God through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ? There is no greater evidence of it. And not only so, this is powerful. The book of Romans is so powerful. We are justified by faith, and this is what we have faith in, the work of the cross. And not only so, but we also joy in God through, through our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom we now have received the atonement. We've not just been reconciled. We're not just saved. We've been atoned. The word atonement in the Greek means to exchange. You exchange your sin for his holiness. He, now, he didn't become sinful, but you gave him your sin and he made you holy. Somebody shout hallelujah. It means to exchange. It means to make an adjustment. How many of you has Jesus made an adjustment in your life? Someone say, I'm thankful. It means restoration, total restoration, getting back everything, uh, everything. What we were talking about this morning, total restoration. Without fail, we shall recover all. Somebody say hallelujah. It means divine favor. And not only so, but we also joy in God through the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we now have received atonement, what I just read to you. That's yours already. Now notice verse number 12. I know it's hoiky-joiky, but bear with me. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into this world, and by the death, and, and death by sin, one man, Adam, fell in sin and sin entered the world. When sin came into man, death came into man also. And, and so death passes upon all men, for that all have sinned. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Notice verse 13. It's why the plan of salvation. Everybody needs to be saved. There ain't nobody out there that's so good that they don't need to be saved unless they're an infant. Someone say hallelujah. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed, on the, imputed when there is no law. In other words, we didn't know we were a sinner until God's word revealed to us that we were sinners. Aren't you glad God's word revealed to you that you were a sinner? Because that brought you to repentance, which released the grace of God, and now you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Someone shout hallelujah. You're not who you used to be anymore. You're reconciled. You've been atoned. Atonement been made for you. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. There, you are a child of the most high God. You've been washed in the blood of the Lamb of God. Though your sins be like scarlet, now you're white as snow because the blood of Jesus Jesus has cleansed you. Now, let's go to the next verse. Nevertheless, death reigneth from Adam to Moses. Everybody died because of the original sin of Adam. 
even over them that had not sinned at the dissimilitude of Adam's transgression. Adam sinned when he walked with God in the cool of the evening. Adam sinned when God came to earth and said, look at all them critters out there, Adam. What do you think we ought to call them things? Adam said, I don't know. And God says, well, why don't you just start picking out some names, Adam? And God said, I think I'll call that an elephant. And I'm going to call that a giraffe. And I'm going to call that a cow. And and I'm going to call that a lion. And and I can just see as God just would at such joy as he walked with Adam and Adam started naming all of creation that God had made. But he said, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam. Adam knew God in a way that most of us have never seen. And, and, and we have him in us, but he actually walked with him in the cool of the evening. And then think about this, sister. And I've seen, and we've all done it. Have you ever done something wrong and tried to hide it from God? It goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. Adam and Eve sinned, and they tried to hide from God as if that's possible. If you've done anything that you need to repent of, you might as well repent about it right now because God already knows about it. You can't hide it from the Lord. Someone give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Just get it over with. Even over them that have not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is a figure of him that was to come, of Jesus. Now, notice verse 15. You could spend a whole lot of time right here, but for time's sake, I'm going to go to verse 15. But not as, as, as the offense, but also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one man many be dead, much more through the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, have he abound unto many. In other words, we were lost, but now we were found. We, we, we were sinners, but now we're children of God. Oh, somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise and a shout of triumph. And it was a gift from God. And what a gift. What a gift. Notice verse 16. And not as if it was by one that sinned, so is the gift for the judgment was by one to condemnation but the free gift is of many offenses on the justification the gift of Jesus Christ will make many innocent as many who will believe on the finished work notice the next verse please I know it's hoiky joiky and it took a little time but it's worth it for if by one man's offense death reigned by one much more than they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. That word righteous means innocent also. But it says not only are we forgiven our sins and going to heaven and not going to hell, but we shall reign right now in this earth. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of prayer. Just poof. By the abundance of grace, the gift of rest shall reign in life by one Christ. When we begin to realize who we are in Jesus, that we've been cleansed by the blood of the lamb, that we've had atonement, that we have been redeemed by Jesus Christ, by the press, somebody say hallelujah, by the precious love, blood of Jesus, because the father loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
And I'm almost finished because I'm getting hungry. Notice verse 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men. We were all born in sin to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came unto all men on the justification of life. You and I are innocent before God because of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. And our past, being born a sinner, what great-great-grandpa Adam did several thousand years ago has nothing to do with who I am now in Christ Jesus. I'm a child of the Most High God. Someone say hallelujah. Now notice verse 19. I'm almost done. You've been so kind tonight. For as by one man, by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. All the kin, all of that came out of Adam, which is all of us, were born sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. And if we by faith will receive Christ into our life as our Lord and Savior, by faith we will go from being a sinner to being righteous, to being sanctified, to be, oh, being justified by faith, being made innocent unto God. The word righteous means innocent once again. Notice the next verse, please. There's so much here. Moreover, the law entered that the offense may abound, but where sin abounds, where sin abounds, grace did much more abound. Although the law said that you and I deserve to go to hell, the grace of God said that we get to go to heaven because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Somebody give the Lord a hand. Aren't you glad tonight? Aren't you glad tonight? Now notice verse 21. You guys are so good. That as sin had reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. We are to have abundant life now and have eternal life later. How can you beat that, saints of God? Now notice chapter 6, just verse 1 and 2. We're going to land this airplane. What shall we then say? Shall we continue in sin? No, that grace may abound, but we're saved by grace through faith as a gift of God, not of ourselves, lest any man should boast. And the moment you're saved, no matter what your sins were, remember, he saved you in your most awful moment. He saw you at that most vilest time of your life, yet he died for you willingly and the father loved you at that most vilest time of your life that he loved you so much he gave his son so you could be saved someone say i love you jesus what shall we say then shall we continue in sin that grace we all know the answer to that question we don't just continue in sin but aren't you glad that after you got saved that forgiveness was still available how many of you ever messed up after you got saved? Aren't you glad God's grace was still? Come on, give the Lord a hand clap up. We don't purpose. Now notice verse number two. Tomorrow night is going to be such a powerful miracle service. When we begin to understand how much God loved us while we were yet sinners, while we were yet in the most vilest, vilest state 
I don't want you to dwell in your past. I don't want you to think about it. But I think back on some of the things that, that I had done before Christ. And to think that God loved me. That while I was yet in that vile state, thousands of years ago, the Father made a plan for me to be rescued. God made a plan for a drug addict to go free. God made a plan for an alcoholic game banger to go free. God made a plan to take a jailbird out of Joliet State Penitentiary and call him to preach the gospel around the world because we serve a God of grace. We serve a God of mercy. We serve a God of love. Then he said, because grace, should we just continue in sin because grace is so great? God forbid. Even though God will forgive you of that sin the moment you ask for it, everyone that saw it, your testimony is tarnished forever. Even though God will forgive you of that sin in the spiritual realm, sometimes that sin will have consequences later in the natural realm. So the best thing to do is ask God for strength and the power not to commit the sin and, the, and live for God. Live. Sanctification is still God's standard. Holiness is still God's standard of living. It says, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? In other words, once you get saved, I, I, I like saying this to people, and I believe this. I believe with all my heart. You tell everyone, come as you are. Just come as you are. Just come as you are. Come as you are, but don't leave like you came. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap up. Come like you are, but don't leave like you came. Aren't you glad you came to church one day and you were pretty messed up, but you didn't leave like you came? Somebody that remembers when God saved you, would you give the Lord a tremendous hand clap of praise, right? How many remember the grace of God? So right now, I want to just say this to you. I'm going to ask you to do something for the master. I prayed for you this morning. We're going to have a special altar service, a special healing miracle service tomorrow night. But I just have a burden. And, and, and I shared some things about my past, and I, I hope you still love me after tonight. After sharing those things about me, you may not have known those things. And, and I hope you still feel the same about me after tonight. But somebody was praying for us when we got saved. Probably a lot of somebody's was praying for some of y'all when you got saved. And I just feel led of the Holy Ghost tonight. We had a tremendous altar service this morning. We're going to have a tremendous altar, and we're going to have a tremendous altar service tonight. It's just a different direction of the Holy Ghost. But how many remember when God rescued you from your sin? How many remember when you woke up the first time in the morning and realized you were a new creature? How many remember going three or four days and all of a sudden it dawned on you that you hadn't got high for three days and you hadn't gone, it'd been years since you'd gone three days without being high? How many remember the joy and the love and the peace and the hope you felt? You know why I have so much hope tonight? 
Because if God loved me while I was a wretched sinner and the Father would give his son for me when I was at my worst, how much more will he help me right now? Of course I got hope. Because if God would do that for me then, then he'll bless me now. Here, somebody say hallelujah. Someone give the Lord a hand clap of praise. So I'm gonna ask you to do something. And while you're doing this tonight, I, I don't believe that I've ever done an altar quite this way. And, and I'm glad because I've asked God, I asked God for something very special, Pastor, in, in, in the month of August. I said, God, please, let me return to the passion that I had when I first got saved. Let me have that passion for you and, and that love for you where I just couldn't wait to tell everybody I knew about you. Oh, God, let me preach with the passion I did when I first got to preach over 40 years ago when it was so precious. And, and so God is renewing that passion in me. And so I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you tonight, I'm going to ask those of you that will to, find, to come to this altar and find a place to pray. And for all of us to start making intercession for lost loved ones, for lost friends, for people we know in church that used to be on fire for God, and we're not questioning their salvation anymore, but, we're, but we know that they're not living for the Lord the way they once lived for the Lord, and that's not good when you start backsliding. And I want to ask you to come and start making intercession. Use the influence that you have with God by being a child of God, being rescued by God, to come up here and start praying for some people you know who desperately need to be saved like you desperately needed to be saved. And while you're up here praying, God says, I'm going to direct you. And you're going to go around and you're going to just start laying hands on people in random. And I know what they have need of in their life. And I'm going to supply all that need according to my riches and glory. As they make intercession for others, I'm going to send you around this room to make intercession for them. And I'm going to meet that need in their life. So I'm going to ask you right now if you'd be so kind to stand to your feet. And I know this is an unusual way to start a Sunday night of revival. But I know it's the message that God gave me for tonight. And I'm going to ask you to come to this altar. And I'm going to ask you to find a place. And if you can't kneel, then, I'm going to, then sit on these front rows. But it would so please the Lord if everybody would come in unity. God loves unity. Unity releases the supernatural in our service. And if you can't kneel in these altars, come sit on the front row and come and pray for someone right now that you know in your life that is lost. As God was speaking tonight through the least of his servants, and he was, I was talking about how God rescued me. Some of you no doubt were thinking about how God rescued you and where God bought you from. And if God could bring you from where you were at, then you know God can bring them from where they're at. And you know that somebody prayed for you. And now it's your chance to pray for somebody else. I'm asking God to give us a great Holy Ghost revival. I'm asking God to give us a revival where the sick are healed and the bound are set free. But I'm asking God to give us a salvation revival. How many want to see God give us a salvation revival where people are saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost? I believe there are going to be loved ones coming this week to God that you've been praying for for a long time. Father God, in the name, just begin to pray for every lost loved one and ask God to just put people, quicken people in your mind. He may show you somebody 
that's hurt you deeply. He may show you someone you haven't thought of in years, but ask God to quicken and begin to pray for each person that God plays in you. And as you begin to make intercession for the lost, and some of you, as you're beginning to make intercession for the lost, are gonna start praying in the spirit. You're gonna start praying in the Holy Ghost for you know how to pray as you are, but the spirit itself will make intercession. As you begin to pray in the spirit, God's gonna direct me around this room and I'm gonna lay hands on you. As I lay hands on you, it's not me. It's greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. But as I lay hands on you, as you're making intercession for others, I'm gonna lay hands on you. And God is gonna meet the most important, the most drastic, the most, the, the most needful needs that you have in your life as you pray and make intercession right now for the lost. Sotorata la la